Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, Flypaniacs. Welcome back to Flyperbole. This is Steve Jaco, and yeah, I was just here a few days ago, right here with Maddie Campbell, and as good of a time as that was, there was, you know, we had a few weeks of Flyers news built up that we got to talk about, and that was all well and good. But then, our dear friend, friend of the show, Charles E. Trades the Third, Chucky Two Trades, as we like to call him around here, Chuck Fletcher, went and actually made a huge damn trade. I was shocked. I know a lot of you were shocked and elated. Great trade. And I just can't believe it. I I thought on Saturday afternoon that the deadline for pre-expansion draft trades was done. We were just going to... I took a shower. I'm like, yeah, the Flyers didn't do shit. We'll see you for the expansion draft and we'll talk then. No. Flyers pulled out a last-minute trade for Ryan Ellis. I am ecstatic about this. I can't believe they pulled off this deal. And... We just so happen to have a Preds expert on Broad Street Hockey that I could bring onto the show. So, Eamon Smith is back here. Eamon, how are you today? Uh, I am a bag of mixed emotions. It is <laughs> a, beautiful, a beautiful night here in Franklin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville, Tennessee, where uh, people have been rioting and looting because of a very bad trade executed by David Poyle. Um, but, hey... I'm on both sides of it, so uh, shit. What what show is it where it's I'm playing both sides, so I always come out ahead. I was gonna I'm say, like, you, you know, you're literally both sides right now. <laughs> that's got to be. It's always sunny. I'm almost certain that's it's always sunny. I, I do know it. It's always sunny when you know Mac will just change teams like during the yeah. argument. Yeah. <laughs> like the I'm one where they're sure, doing I'm the. I'm pretty sure that's what's going on here. I'm playing both sides, so I always come out ahead. Yeah, I think that's uh, Mac. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, I mean, as a Preds fan, this sucks ass. Uh, I'll, I'll get that out of the way really quickly because they, I mean, this might look different down the road. Trades always tend to look a little different in hindsight. But in the moment right now, uh, it looks like the Predators kind of got fleeced and the Flyers just made themselves a whole lot better and filled their biggest need for the offseason with a great player who is very cheap. So, yeah, uh, but but let's not, you know, stand on ceremony here and talk about important things because this is flyperbole and we don't actually talk about the Flyers <laughs> half the time. Let's talk about another important Nashville-related thing before we get to what everybody is actually here for. Uh, I went to game six of 
Preds versus Hurricanes. And I think I sent this in the Slack immediately after the game ended and I had service again because they black out the arena. Uh, Creed was there. Specifically, Scott Staff was there. Uh, just out of the blue. And like, what's even funnier is my buddy who I took to the game with me, uh, I... <laughs> I, like just because i thought it was really funny for some reason and i can't remember it must have come up in the slack we we i showed him uh marlins will soar for the first time come on marlins ever soar. yeah so total coincidence i had no fucking clue that scott staff was gonna be there at all and like during during uh the pregame during warm-ups and everything uh i was i was showing him this video because we were up in the nosebleeds so obviously we're not down by the glass or anything and uh he's fucking cracking up and we were like singing the song through uh like breaks and play and stuff like that just like jokingly and making ourselves laugh and then first intermission scott stapp just walks out on the stage and i like broke down laughing it was so funny that's phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Strike one, strike two, roll the game. Like, <laughs> it's, you know, to put this all in perspective, like, I can't believe that Creed is still even around in any semblance in the year of our Lord 2021, because, like, this is a band that was popular, and popular is a very subjective term here, but, like, there was a very brief period where Creed was actually a popular band. Very small. And I think I was about your age, and that was the case. So it was many, many years ago. I can't believe Scott Stapp's even attempting anything musically at this point. It's crazy. I think what's even funnier is, so uh, at Preds games, you're going to meet some characters. We were originally in a different section, and then these people came up to us, and they were like, hey, a couple of our friends are uh, coming, and we have seats over here. They have uh, seats in section 303 uh, and we were wondering if you'd be willing to swap seats and I was like ah oh, like you know we're we're in better seats than probably what they have but I'll just be nice it's fine um, and we swap seats with them and for anybody who doesn't know 303 is where all of the chants in the arena start uh, like the you suck chant and everything that's where that originated from Okay. So that's where all of like the crazy people are, which is pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, this guy walks up to us. His name is Chad, which is already great. Oh yeah. And he he's like total bro dude. Uh, he's got his black hoodie on, and he starts talking to us about how much he loves Creed. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. And like he he started singing songs. <laughs> and it was all I could do to keep it together because I'm just trying to be nice. This dude is like coming up to us and being social. And he's like taking taking uh you know little puffs from his vape in between talk. Oh my god, that is so appropriate. Like that is exactly the image I would expect. What's even better is this dude could not have been older than 26. Like oh how how? <laughs> Why do you like Creed? Can you take me higher? Jesus Christ. Just just so great. So they Stunning. yeah, Scott Stapp came out, he played the hits. 
Um, he did a couple covers too, which was pretty great. How uh, many songs did he play? So they usually do like four per intermission, um, and he was there for both intermissions. So wow, yeah, wow. Uh, that was that was a lot of Scott Stapp. <laughs> That's a, that is entirely too much Scott Stapp. It was a goddamn Creed concert that I unwittingly bought tickets to. <laughs> <laughs> you went to a hockey game and a Creed concert broke out. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty great, honestly. Um, uh, you were trapped in I your will, own prison. I will genuinely never forget that experience. It was too funny, and I just think the fact that I introduced my friend to creed and scott staff he didn't even know who they were right before the game started probably for good reason (laughs) and then he just happened to be there and then like after the game he's like i was i was like talking to him like man i'm stunned that scott staff is there he's like wait i thought that like you told me about that because you knew he was gonna be there he's like there's no way there's no way that that just happened That's a phenomenal coincidence. Like, I can't, I've been, so number one, I have been dying to hear this full story since you told me that Creed showed up at the goddamn <laughs> Predators game you went to. Like, I, and that was what, like two months ago at this point? Like, I've just been dying it was a while to get, ago. You, get you on. Like, we just didn't make it work out for the first couple weeks after that happened. And then, like, I kind of just went on, like, hiatus for a couple weeks because it's, you know whatever we don't want to talk about that but the fact that that happened that you went to a predators game because you're the only one on this blog who has been to any sort of hockey game in two years at this point and not only did you go to the predators playoff game but scott stapp was there and performed basically all of the creed hits is it just i my mind is blown dude it was it was legitimately one of the greatest nights of my life up until the hurricanes won and then it was very much not a good night um because that kind of stunk and i you you have never watched a hockey game with me before particularly a live hockey game uh my my buddy who i had never been to like a playoff game with i think i had gone to a regular season game and like his whole family was there and my family was there so i kept myself in pretty good check he he was telling me the whole game, calm down, dude. You've got to chill. Because <laughs> I I am I'm not the dude who's yelling shoot at the players all the time, because that's dumb. They can't shoot all the time. But like the Predators <laughs> tend to be very bad in transition and they just dump the puck a lot. Um oh, that sounds really they, familiar. They play super conservative, like this year's Preds, they play super conservative and back all the way off and just allow free entries. And I'm like ripping them and just yelling at them constantly and being like, what are you doing? <laughs> and uh, like probably the people around me thought that I was drunk, which I look very young. So they, they might have been a little concerned about that. But yeah, no, totally stone cold sober, had a blast screaming at the team uh that making me very angry and they pulled kind of a classic flyers where they went up two goals and then decided that they just didn't have to play hockey anymore (laughs) and conceded three consecutive unanswered goals to lose the game at home in front of a crazy crowd uh i I felt so bad for you that night i felt so bad for you that night because that game was a just disaster on the back end and it looked like it was going to be a triumph for most of it it was, it sucked. Uh, 
also wasn't like super pleased with walking out of the stadium hearing people like I, I know that this is like more prototypical for Philly fans or whatever, but I'm still not super comfortable seeing people like yelling obscenities at an opposing fan and like throwing things at them. And I saw a couple of instances of that and that didn't make me super happy. So it's never fun to watch. And I, you know, I've obviously seen my share of it and it's never something I, I approve of and it, it, it sucks. It's, it's definitely an uncomfortable situation. Man, but I will say, as far as the complaining throughout the game and going nuts at the actual things you should go nuts at, you would fit right in with the Philly crowd in that regard. Oh, absolutely. That, that is the entire <laughs> crowd for a Flyers game. Well, no, I've not the entire to, crowd. There's, there's the shoot guys, of course. I've been to one game at the Farg. One game. And uh, it was Flyers versus Rangers Christmas of 2019, like around Christmas of 2019, it was the first game that Kevin Hayes had played against the Rangers. And as a flyer, where uh, he had the game-winning goal, I'm pretty sure, and AK scored his first career goal. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty fun. I fit right in. I was losing my shit. But yeah, uh, pretty incredible experience uh, and very flyperbole adjacent that I just happened to see, you know, Fly Purbley icon, Scott Stapp. <laughs> you know, the only way it could have been more Flav adjacent was just if it was the, the guy from Stained. Aaron Lewis, I know his name. I know his name. I know the guy from Stained's name. I'm one of the five people. Or, of course, Fred Durst. I am Durston as I record this because it is hot. It has been hot in Philly for like two months at this point. It's been terrible. But it, that's neither here nor there. But the fact that you have a Scott Stapp story is phenomenal. I'm almost certain that Fred Durst has also done what Scott Stapp did. Maybe not for a playoff game, but I think he showed up for, like, something at a Preds game at some point. Uh, which is pretty hilarious, too. So I'm I'm sad that I missed out on that occurrence. Then I'd have the double whammy. And I can only hope that one day Guy Fieri is, like, a celebrity guest so that we get the trifecta going. That'd I be mean, pretty great. Guy Fieri, you never know where that guy will show up. He He will show up anywhere that he is needed he's like a superhero it's pretty cool <laughs> he is basically a superhero and as i've said before he seems like a person that i would make fun of somebody he just has this person er, the, the look is very like 2001 douchebag but like i just hear constantly he's the nicest guy in food he is like a legitimately great person you know you make fun of him but he's like he's the man is from what what i've heard yeah all right do we want to talk about the actual hockey thing that happened? Yes, we actually, and and you know, for usually I go, oh yeah, we'll get back to the Flyers. Fine, I'm legitimately hyped to talk about the Flyers because this is a, a great trade. And if you're one of the, I don't know, it, how have you not heard of this trade by now? If you're listening to this, I'm sure you have all heard of it. But if you have not, for some insane reason, the Flyers acquired Ryan Ellis for Nolan Patrick and Phil Myers and nothing else. Nothing else. I I couldn't believe the price the Flyers got for a top pair defenseman on the right side, which is their number one need of this offseason. Yeah. Uh, when I heard this, I think, where was I? Um, I'm pretty sure I was using the restroom and I just checked my phone and I was like, oh God. Uh, so hopped out of there really fast and sprinted downstairs to get my laptop almost ate shit on the stairs uh and yeah that i mean as somebody who roots for both teams 
this is like the most ideal situation for me as close as it could get i kind of like wish a little bit that the flyers had given up slightly more in this deal but i can't complain because as a flyers fan it benefits them that they didn't so uh let's let's talk some ryan ellis here dude because i i just want to drop really quickly this is a let's fucking go trade this isn't like a oh the flyers solved the need or whatever this is a huge deal um he's really good i don't think people understand how good ryan ellis is um i think i think they think that he's a top pair guy and he's right-handed and so that's good but i don't think that they get that there have been long spans of his career where he was either arguably or inarguably better than roman yossi um who might be a top three defenseman in the league any given year so yeah kind of a big deal yeah i i just i couldn't believe that they got a guy this talented because like so obviously niskanen was the big player they were missing this year from the previous season and i wasn't that hype when they got niskanen and even then niskanen was was very good but you know ellis obviously not obviously to everybody but ellis has a higher ceiling than niskanen niskanen was a guy who was at the end of his rope and it was kind of a trade where it's like, Ugh, I, I guess he's an upgrade over Gudis. Uh, the, the cap hits a lot. I don't know. But like Ellis is a guy that if he stays healthy, that cap hit and that contract's great. And, you know, obviously the, the health is a big issue. But I, I mean, this is a legitimate top pairing, no doubt about it, defenseman. Yeah. So let me just break down really quickly. We can get to style of play and everything like that. but. This is the best player, just player period, that the Flyers have acquired since Chris Pronger. Um, flat out, plain and simple. Uh, no doubt about and it. And he's probably the best defenseman that the team has had since Chris Pronger, too, uh, which is pretty wild. I mean, you can talk about Kimo Timonen, but I think post-Pronger Timonen, maybe not as good as Ryan Ellis um, when Ryan Ellis is healthy. Uh Looking at some stuff, though, that I've seen a lot of Flyers fans talking about, the health conditions stuff, um, I just want to illuminate really quickly that this past year, the shoulder injury, legitimate injury um, that just happened from some wear and tear in his play style, and he's had one or two knee issues in the past four years here. Outside of that, a lot of these injuries and uh, periods where he's missed time have just been kind of freak incidents. Specifically, I want to look at the concussion he suffered at the hands of noted war criminal Corey Perry in the Winter Classic a little while ago. I'm just glad we're throwing Corey Perry into the war criminal category, which I think a lot of people will agree with. I hate that bastard so much. <laughs> yeah, he, he came clean across the ice. Ellis didn't have his head down or anything. Uh didn't have the puck, was nowhere near the play, and Corey Perry just, I mean, Scott Stevens him, basically. And Ellis missed 20 games for that, and he has no real history in his, like, non-juniors career. I don't even know that he really had that much of a history in his juniors career of head injuries or concussions, so I don't really think that's that big of a cause for concern. Okay. Um, I do think that he's not the most durable player um, he'll probably miss some time every year, but if he's missing five games, maybe 10 games in a season, 
uh, and it's just to make sure that he is pretty clean in terms of his bill of health and he's not wearing himself down to a nub or playing through something. Uh, I think that's really not that big of a demerit to the Flyers. Um, they've missed plenty of time from key players and still been okay uh, during their peak years. The Predators seemed okay when they were a pretty good team and he missed time. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of, I just wanted to get that out of the way really quickly. But Ellis um, genuinely could be a transformative player for this team. I think he's capable of, by himself, let's say the Flyers don't do anything else this summer, taking them at least to being a playoff team within the division. That's how good I think he is. Because I also think that Carter Hart regresses back to the norm a little bit and is I, I really an NHL-caliber so. goalie. That, like, that last year was so brutal for Carter Hart. I felt so bad for him. I don't I don't think it could get any worse than he played last year, frankly. No, I mean, that and, like, if you look at all of the circumstances behind... Like, a lot of people get mad when you say, well, this was a weird season and the team didn't handle that very well, and that's a lot of why they weren't very good this past year, because they feel like you're making excuses. But in Hart's case, he plays the most mental position in the game, where... Making technical adjustments requires a lot more practice, and it needs to happen much more constantly throughout a season. Uh, he's very young, and he's in a high-pressure market. The team was expected to be very good and make the playoffs. Uh, the team wasn't very good in front of him. And also, as we now know, he was struggling with some mental health stuff personally. He was alone a lot. He was alone with his thoughts a lot. Um I, I don't like bringing it up, but there's like the whole thing that Carcitti talked about, um, whether or not that had any impact on him. I don't know. It's really none of our business, but there are a lot of reasons to believe that Hart's going to be better. And I think Hart being an average goalie plus just Ellis being Ellis takes the Flyers back up to being a top three team in the division, especially with some of the losses that we're seeing the Penguins taking. Oh, you hate to see it. You just hate to see it. It just feels like this move came at the perfect time, is the perfect player, made so much sense. Uh, I, I really thought that Ellis, I was concerned that Nashville wouldn't be willing to deal him. That was kind of my only, uh, I guess, reason to think that the Flyers shouldn't go get him, is that the Predators would ask too much or wouldn't be willing to uh, let him go. But I think he's a better player than Seth Jones. I think he is as good or better than Dougie Hamilton most years. I think he's more of what this team needs than Dougie Hamilton. Uh, I think that his contract is much better than what Dougie Hamilton likely would have gotten. Oh, Hamilton's going to get paid. Jones is going to get paid big time. I think Jones is going to make more than Provorov. I think Jones is going to get paid something in the vicinity of nine, nine and a half by somebody who really shouldn't give that to him like the Blackhawks or something. Because they have his brother and brothers got to play together. Well, I'm not saying that's the only reason. I, I, know, I know that's not the only reason. I love to make fun of that, though. Like, oh, they got Caleb Jones. They're getting Seth Jones. It's guaranteed. Shen. Luke Shen, baby. <laughs> oh, the Shen brothers, an unbeatable combo. Ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I have a feeling that somebody's going to overpay like crazy for Seth Jones. And I'm really thankful that he is, you know, too much of a coward to play in Philly. So the Flyers didn't end up. <laughs> going and getting him he's too soft 
He's too soft. He couldn't handle the uh, passion of the fans here. He doesn't He's no like Romaldo. Let's just put it that way. He doesn't like to win. He has no heart. No heart. Only Romaldo, who the crack and better take. You know, that's the only way they're going to get heart if they get Romaldo. Now, Ellis, as you know, you talk Dougie Hamilton, right? And I love Dougie Hamilton. I, I would love to get him. But I think a lot of the things people talk about with Dougie Hamilton, he might not have the mentality of a flyer, all that kind of stuff. Ellis really seems like a guy who has a good mentality to play in Philadelphia. You know, obviously he's a great fit in this defense. Based on what you've seen with the Predators, how would you say his mentality is for being a flyer? Okay, so if Ellis can stay healthy and produce near the clip that he's expected to, people are going to love this guy. When the Predators drafted him, uh, Ellis was coming off of being CHL Player of the Year. so he was outstanding at that level. It was kind of stunning to a lot of people that he didn't get taken higher in that draft. Uh, he was captain, uh, I think, his second year or something like that. Very early on, he was captain. Uh, he's the highest scoring Canadian juniors player in the uh, World Juniors Tournament of all time as a defenseman and also one of their most notable captains ever. Uh he was an associate captain with the Predators uh, ever since Shea Weber left, pretty much. A lot of people expected him to become the captain when Roman Yossi became the captain. Uh, very outspoken guy. Definitely the guy where when guys come back into the room after a bad loss, he's like, that was unacceptable. We have to be better. We played like shit tonight. Um, oh, he's not he, afraid he to He stole my heart. That's, I, I love that so much. Yeah, he's... He's everything that, I mean, people, a lot of the people who say this aren't actually in the Flyers locker room, so they don't know if they're really, you know, the dynamic is affected because they're missing this. Because they had Wayne Simmons, and Wayne Simmons was that guy, and they still weren't that good. But Ellis is capable of being that guy, where he's going to hold people accountable in the locker room. But maybe more importantly, um, Wayne Simmons had never been on, or no, he was on, he was on those Kings teams that went pretty deep in the postseason, I think, but he was not there when they won the Stanley cup. Nope. He was not. And you know, Wayne Simmons also, I, I, I mean, I think the big thing with Ellis is he is now going to be the head of this young defense. And it's really a group that needs that, that kind of leadership very desperately. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a dude who's been to a Stanley Cup final. He's played a lot of playoff games. Um, he's scored really well in the playoffs. He's had clutch moments and clutch goals. Uh, and I think, most importantly, he's a guy where he has, you know, the really good slap shot and he's a good skater. But I don't think he's ever been considered to be a player where he's successful because he was endowed with supreme physical skill like some of the guys that the flyers have he's someone who succeeds because he's very cerebral and he plays really hard and he worked on his flaws as a player um to make sure that he's a very 200 foot player somebody who can do a little bit of everything and he's kind of he's kind of just a coach's dream and i i feel like in addition to the just immediate impact that he's going to have just by being a really good defenseman. 
uh, I think Chuck Fletcher understands that if he brings this guy into his locker room, he's going to teach the guys on the blue line how to be successful, how to take their game to the next level. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Ryan Ellis comes and then we see Ivan Provorov gradually turn into not just a guy who is a good first-pairing defenseman with a good partner, but a guy who can legitimately carry a pair um, because he starts playing with a guy where he's done it all, he's seen it all, and he is not that far removed from being legitimately excellent. Like Matt Niskin, very good player, uh, was a top pair defenseman at points in his career. I don't know that he was ever a true number one guy. No, but... I wouldn't say that at any point. But he was super good with the Penguins. He was really good with uh, the Capitals for a while there. Um, and he won rings, so he's had the experience of playing in the postseason with a lot of pressure and everything. Uh, but I think Ellis brings a little bit of a different dynamic in there. And in terms of what he's going to bring on the ice, uh, that'll make people like him as a flyer. He's a little dude who likes to play really hard. Um, and I think every single Flyers fan that I've ever met who's like more traditionalist tends to love that because they like seeing a scrappy guy um, who's an underdog because of a physical trait, uh, particularly because a lot of these people wanted to be NHL players, but just simply couldn't be. And well, it always, it goes back to Bobby Clark with that. I mean, Bobby Clark had diabetes. He was passed over in the first round. Like Bobby Clark is like the, consummate flyer because he was a guy who was you know looked over and made himself the best player in franchise history yeah now ryan ellis was like still a reasonably high first round pick but it was it wasn't because people necessarily believed like he he probably should have been a top five pick in that draft and he fell because he was small um and i think he's always played with that chip on his shoulder i think even in nashville Early in his career, he played with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he was getting uh, kind of not not the minutes that he would want because they were so stacked defensively at that point. They still had Weber. Uh, they still had Suter. Ekholm was there. Yossi was there. That team was crazy on the blue line. Um, but Flyers, Flyers fans are going to like that. He likes to hit. Um, he's very aggressive in battles in the boards. He wins them a lot. Oh, oh we needed that so bad here. It yeah. Is, I love to hear that too, because I feel like the Flyers, one of their biggest problems last year was losing puck battles in the corner. I, I felt like they were losing them constantly. Yeah, he's he's good at that. He's, I think maybe the best aspect of his game that doesn't get talked about that much is... He's really good in transition for a guy who wasn't asked to do a lot in transition because of who his partner was. Because anybody who's ever watched Roman Yossi knows he's a wizard with the puck on his stick. But whenever Ellis actually had to do something in transition, he was great. And I think this puts Provorov in a role where he doesn't need to take as many chances offensively. Um, He doesn't have to be as aggressive trying to carry the pair. He can just kind of sit back and try to be the Matthias Ekholm to Ellis's Ellis. Uh, And, I mean... Well, that was one of the problems when you had Provorov and Braun playing together, is that Provorov would feel forced to do too much with the puck, because that's just not really Braun's game. 
Yeah, and what's interesting in this case is, like, this is a situation where Ellis, let's say Provorov decides to be aggressive. Ellis is good enough defensively where he can afford to do that. And that's that's a little bit different from, I think, what would have happened if they tried to put Dougie Hamilton and Ivan Provorov together. Uh, is I think the, the style of Ellis complements Provorov really well in that respect, in that he can kind of do a little bit of everything. So if Provorov, uh, you know how he'll have those games where he takes a little bit to figure out how he wants to play, takes a little bit to get into it, but then once he has a lot of minutes under his belt, he's engaged, he's playing super well, and he's in a rhythm. I think Ellis can kind of be that steadying force like Niskanen was, only even a bit better because he can chip in even more offensively. Um, and he's more of an individual creator than I think Matt Niskanen ever was, where he could do stuff with the puck on his stick. He has a great shot. He has great instincts as a passer. Um, so I I don't know. I just think he's an excellent fit for this team all around, just as a player, as a person. Um, he also happens to be ginger and have a really big bushy beard. I mean, you can't beat that. That's just perfect. And especially considering the Flyers might lose one of their gingers with bushy beards in the offseason, they really need to make sure they have that commodity going. Exactly. So I I love the fit stylistically. I will say the things that people might get cranky with him about um, is while he does like to be physical, he's not always successful when he's physical. Um, he can sometimes get out muscled in games because he is a smaller guy. Um, but I think that momentary frustration, uh, if you're, if you're a fan who isn't just completely latched onto, Oh, he just got bodied off the puck right there. You forget about that when you see him strip the puck and then create his own exit immediately or settle down the play and control the pace of the game you you don't care quite as much about when he does get bumped off because he's so good at everything else that it doesn't really matter all that much. Uh, so yeah, awesome player. Um, and then in terms of just bringing what the Flyers were lacking, I think personally a lot of people who, uh, who have written about him after this trade say he's a guy who is really good on a top pair, but I don't think he can be a true number one. I think he's capable of being a true number one. I think if you look historically throughout his career, he has elevated the numbers, um, both point production wise and analytically of every single partner he's ever played with. Uh, and that to me is the mark of a true number one defenseman is somebody where no matter who you stick them with, they're going to make them better. Uh, I mean, I saw Ryan Ellis play with Jared Tenorti for a stretch, who is like an AHL player. And Ryan Ellis made Jared Tenorti look like a passable NHL player at points. So I I don't know. This just I'm so excited to see how this plays out. And I think Flyers fans have something to be unequivocally excited about for the first time in a very long time. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! 
It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snacket. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Yeah, I'm completely pumped about this. And I mean, it's this is exactly what we were saying the team needed at the end of the season. They need somebody to play with Provorov in the top pairing. They need a right-handed defenseman on the right side. Like, it's just, it's too perfect. And I just, I'm still stunned about this price they paid. It was just Phil Myers and Nolan Patrick. And I know maybe two seasons ago, Nolan Patrick would sound like a, a hefty price to pay. But at this point, after everything Nolan Patrick's been through and just the way he played last season, I know he was coming off the migraine season, but it was just frankly, it was not enough there where we were just happy to get anything for him. And so Nolan Patrick was traded to Nashville, but then immediately traded to Vegas for Cody Glass. And it's an interesting situation for Patrick to see if he can bounce back with the change of scenery. I think he desperately needed it, and I'm happy he's going to get that. It's disappointing he didn't do it here, but at least he helped the Flyers get what could be a pivotal piece for their next big run. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he turns it around in Vegas, given the change in environment. Uh, Vegas's GM, Kelly McCrimmon, was the coach of the Brandon Wheat Kings when Patrick was just destroying the WHL prior to his draft year. So I I think there's a good relationship there. That's a guy who he trusts um, and can take feedback from. I think I don't, I don't enjoy speculating too much about Nolan Patrick's personality or why he didn't pan out here, but I do think that it is fair to assert now that some of it was uh, just questionable reception of feedback from the team from everything that I've heard uh I mean I'm not like a true insider or anything but I I talk to people who actually are insiders on occasion um and just kind of hear stuff from them uh and what they're hearing and what their interactions have told them and everything kind of points to Nolan Patrick came in he expected to be good he wasn't that good and then he just kind of was like, I'll figure it out. And he sort of never did. And that's not 
the best attitude to have in the NHL if you're not panning out immediately. So I think he goes to an environment in Vegas where that's a winning team. He's not going to be put under a ton of pressure right away. Uh, the expectations are going to be pretty low for him if he is a NHL player. He's already better than Cody Glass was for them. Yeah, I, w- I was curious about that from, especially from your perspective as a Nashville fan. How did you feel about flipping Patrick for Glass? Because, I mean, Nashville's biggest problem, as long as I can remember, is offense. So regardless of if it was Patrick or Glass, this, uh, I mean, we didn't really get into it too much. But basically, by trading for Myers, who, from my perspective, is a project, and Glass, who is an immensely talented player, but also a project. Nashville basically just said, we're betting on our development staff to be able to get the most out of these guys and to make this a worthwhile trade. And on Myers, we'll get to him in a minute. I feel like that's a reasonable assertion to make given their track record with defensemen. I don't know about that with Glass. Um, And that's my my main concern about the return here is whether it had been Patrick or Glass, Nashville has never demonstrated historically the ability to develop offensive players with skill. Um, They've always been very good at maximizing uh, players like Martin Erat or, uh, you know, like Craig Smith or very, very middle of the lineup guys, Cali Yarncroke, they've gotten a good bit out of, but they've never developed that Claude Giroux, uh, Jake Voracek guy who is in the top 10 in scoring at his position guy. The closest they ever came was Alex Radulov who promptly abandoned them and went to Russia. <laughs> they, I, I think glass is an immensely talented player. I could definitely see him becoming a very good on like a cup contender caliber team, a very good second line center. I like what they have in the pipeline with Phil Tomasino. I think Ellie Tolvin is going to be great. Um, I think I think they have pieces. I like Rem Pitlick, but I just question if any of those guys are guys where the development staff that they have now knows what they're doing well enough to get them from this is a good NHL player to this is a star. And I think Glass out of that entire group has the highest potential to do that. But there are some concerns there. Um, his skating is still a bit of a mess. Uh, the offensive awareness is there. The vision is there. But will it ever translate to NHL success? A lot of that has to do with them bringing him along. I don't know that that's going to happen. So obviously, if you're Poyle, you don't make this deal to start with. But if you are Poyle and you do decide that Patrick and Myers is enough for Ellis, do you go with Patrick or do you go with Glass? So I'm guessing that uh, I'm guessing that Poyle looked at Patrick and was like, I don't think we're the right change of scenery for him. And I would agree. I think that the best chance that Patrick has to be successful in his career was either going to Vegas where he knows the GM very intimately um, and would be in a very low pressure situation or going to Winnipeg where he would be very close to home because he's from Winnipeg. He's from there. Yeah, and I I think he's very close with his dad, uh, so maybe it would be better for him to be close to family for a larger part of the year. Obviously, Patrick has gone through a lot recently, and that's why I'm always uncomfortable 
picking digs at his effort while he was in Philly is because he's had a rough time with injuries and concussions and the migraine syndrome. Uh, and I, I don't like taking shots at that. And the thing is, Nolan Patrick is a very talented player at the end of the day. Like, he has great hands. He is a guy who can play hockey very well. It's just a matter of putting it together. So I wish him the best, and I'm very happy he's not anywhere close, so I don't have to consistently root against him. I want him to do well in Vegas. Not Maybe not too well. I don't want to be Patrick Sharp bite us <laughs> in the ass, but, like, you know, I, I think I can take, like, a little bit of a, a, a bite in the ass, you know, from down the line. But, you know, I, I want the guy to do well, just not too well. Yeah, I think something that will prevent me from ever doing that whole Patrick Sharp retrospective for Justin Williams is Justin Williams and Patrick Sharp, when they were traded, were good players. They They weren't, like, stars or anything, but they were solid middle six NHLers. Um, who produced pretty well and the flyers traded them for peanuts for and in crap, this trade just garbage the flyers acquired a first pair defenseman who barring catastrophe which could always happen knowing this team uh is going to be super impactful one way or another in the way that this franchise uh kind of plays out in the next couple of seasons and they traded a guy who had been struggling immensely, no one in sight for him to turn it around. Um, seemed like a bad fit in the locker room, seemed like a bad fit with the front office. It seemed like Chuck Fletcher wasn't enamored with him. So that's that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, I hope he pans out in Vegas. I could totally see him becoming a really good second line center or even a low end first line center. But uh I don't think I'll ever look at that trade and be like, yeah, Chuck Fletcher made the wrong move giving this guy away. Now, Phil Myers, a little bit more up for debate. Phil Myers, I, I feel like, is the pivotal piece of this trade for the Nashville Predators. And, and the interesting thing about Phil Myers for me is you were talking about how Ellis, you know, is at work a little harder, but the instincts are there. And I feel like Myers is the complete opposite of that, where he's got every physical attribute that you want for a defenseman, but the instincts are the problem. So when I watched Phil Myers, um, his rookie season, I went back and I watched a little bit of Dan Hamuse and like younger Dan Hamuse. And I think that's the guy he reminds me of a little bit more where he's very toolsy physically, um, but he lacks the elite hockey sense to ever become like that true number one guy um i think hamius was always a really good player and he's a very smart player i think he reads the game much better than myers has um or did you did call him least. former flyer dan hamius because that's very important <laughs> yeah uh much like former eagle frank gore but yeah well, I actually have to give the Predators a lot of credit for the social media because they posted that tweet that said, thank you, Nolan. And they had a Photoshop picture of Nolan Patrick in a Predators jersey that they posted yeah. like right after they shipped him out. That was just it was chef's gold. kiss. Yeah, I know. I know Sarah who runs the Preds social media and she's a riot. She's really she's really great. Um, and, you know, they had that whole thing with Barstool a little while ago where they caught flack for that. But. That wasn't even her. Um, so, like, I don't know. Print social media, pretty great aside from that. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. 
my buddy Jeff also made like, have you ever seen those uh, really old like highlight videos where it's it's just like Comic Sans text or like really generic text that just kind of comes up. It's made in iMovie or whatever with oh, the basic yeah. effects. And then um, some of my best like flyers highlights come off those things. Yeah, it's like it's like generic like kind of pump up music in the background, um, and then uh, at the very end they do the thanks for watching. Well, he made one of those with Nolan Patrick, and it was Nolan Patrick creditors highlights, and then it just immediately cut to the thanks for watching at the end. Uh, that was pretty great too. Fantastic. I'll, I'll have to send you that. Um, but yeah, so I I could totally see Nolan Patrick panning out. To Phil Myers, though, um, I also would not be stunned if Nashville works their magic and turns him into one of the 10 best defensemen, if not like a top five defenseman in the league. I would be a little bit like, wow, damn, that really proves to me that this uh, team is just godly at developing defenders. But at the same time, I mean, they've they've taken worse players and done more with them on the back end so i i think that's the inherent risk here for the flyers is that you look at myers and you go this is a dude who is one of the most unique specimens in the nhl he's like victor hedman-esque in terms of his build and his speed for his size the reach the aggressiveness the physicality that he's capable of um and the other thing that kind of gave me pause on like the people who were saying uh, i don't know about myers ceiling now is myers has always been a bit of a late bloomer um he was a late bloomer in the qmjhl he was a i mean he was fine in the ahl he was pretty good in the ahl um and then he had that great season or he i think he was only in the ahl for like one year maybe but he was not very good at the beginning. He took a little bit to get acclimated. Then he was great. Uh, and I think we were kind of blinded by those that first like year and a half or year and 20 games that we saw of him where he took a little bit to get acclimated. Then he was really good with Sandheim. And everyone was like, all right, this kid is already a top four defenseman. Development is nonlinear um, and he'll, he'll have a chance to be with a great development staff that has historically been good at developing defensemen. Uh, I think we can all kind of agree that the Flyers don't have that track record, even with Sanheim and Provorov and Ghost hitting the NHL and having periods where they were successful. The Predators are just on a different level from any team in the league when it comes to that. Uh, so, again, I would not be shocked if Myers becomes that true top pairing stud uh, that everybody just kind of drooled over when they were looking at him when he was coming up from the queue to the AHL and they were like, damn, this kid can be really good. Uh, and I think up until this past year, a lot of people, including uh, Charlie, looked at him as a guy who could maybe develop into a top pair dude in the best case scenario. Now that's a little cloudier, but I think he went to the best possible situation and uh, in terms of just role in Nashville, he's probably going to be playing with Roman Yossi on the top pair. 
That must be nice. Holy crap. I mean, that's, that is what the Predators do. That's their reputation. They are a defenseman factory. And there's a reason they're protecting five defensemen in the upcoming expansion draft. Yeah, I mean, like, let's put it this way. Alex Carrier uh, is a guy where they drafted him a while ago. Um, like, sixth, sixth round or fourth round pick. I can't remember which. He was a late round draft pick. Uh just kind of a mid-tier QMJHL player, became a very good QMJHL player after one year talking to the Nashville development staff and making one training camp. Uh, And then the year after that, comes to the AHL, tears it up. He spent three extra years in the AHL tearing it up. I think that uh, our big prospects guy on the forecheck, Eric, who's one of the smartest people at evaluating young players that I know, uh, he was like, I like Carrier okay, but I just don't know that he's going to translate to be anything better than a bottom pair guy at the NHL level, a very good bottom pair guy, and you need those guys, but nothing more than that. And then Carrier comes up this season, he plays with Ekholm, and he has a very solid analytical season, played well by the eye test, and looked like a legitimate top four defenseman that the Predators got out of a fourth round pick. And he's not like a physical freak or anything they just did a great job developing him there's another guy uh frederick allard same draft class who uh they just did a really good job of bringing along so nashville i think it's so funny they're so terrible at developing forward talent um and drafting upside players and then doing anything with them uh at the forward position but they're they're just in a league of their own when it comes to developing defensemen historically. I mean, I could go down such a long list at this point of dudes where they either were top pair guys for a lot of their career, uh, or they were number one defensemen, or they were guys where they previously weren't that good. Nashville brought them in and then kind of turned them into solid players and flipped them for more than they were originally worth. Uh, so I, I have a feeling Myers might come out of the gate kind of slow. Preds fans will be like, this dude sucks. Bring back Ellis. <laughs> and then midseason, he'll probably start to get comfortable playing with Yossi. Um, and from there, I have a feeling things will start to pan out. He could also play with Ekholm. They might choose to play him with Ekholm uh, just because Myers is kind of an aggressive player who's going to make some mistakes. Yossi is also like that, so that might not be the best stylistic fit at this point, but I have a feeling they try to keep Carrier and Ekholm together, and they just put Myers on the top pair, and they're like, all right, kid, you've got all the leash in the world, you can make some mistakes, this team is not going to be very good, Um, we are not expecting to make the postseason, and you just got to take some steps forward, and that's all we're looking for from you, is uh, just, just improve. And that's it. So I I still don't think, though, from a Flyers fan perspective, you can get mad about giving up Myers, even if Myers turns out to be that guy, because I just don't think he was ever going to be that guy in Philly. No, not only was he not going to be that guy in Philly, but I mean, the fact is, like, we need a guy today. Like, it, you know, if you want to win with Claude Giroux still here, you have to put together the team now. It's just not going to happen if you don't start right now. And this was an immediate need. This is the best case scenario for the type of player you were going to acquire. 
I, I, the fact that they pulled this deal off without giving up a draft pick is phenomenal to me. It's absurd, to be honest with you, from a Predators fan perspective. It's like even a second round pick. I don't understand how that didn't happen. I can't, I can't like come out and bash David Poyle yet because I like talk to me from a year ago and I would, I would be ripping his head off because um, I was a much more reactionary fan back then. But that was also when I first started writing about the team and I thought I knew everything and I decidedly don't. Um, but I don't know what the market was for Ellis. I don't know. Um, I don't know whether they know something about him medically that we all don't. I don't know because uh, this happened with Subban a while back where everyone was like, holy shit, they traded Subban for peanuts. And then Subban was immediately terrible. And it turns out that they knew that he had some lingering stuff with his back and his knees um, that while it, it didn't preclude them from trading him and it wasn't them like screwing the devils over with that, uh, their medical staff basically was like, this guy is going to burn out pretty soon. You should ship him out. So I don't want to jump to conclusions yet. At the same time, I'm allowed to be angry as a fan because the team refused to sell assets for the past basically three years when they probably should have. Uh, you could argue the year that they, uh, the year after they got knocked out by the stars, um, that they should have they should have immediately just been like we need to sell our assets even though the team is kind of floating in the playoff picture this team is not that good these players are aging we need to start the rebuild now um and they put it off and then this past year they put it off again they didn't trade anybody at the draft they didn't trade anybody throughout the season even when the team was falling apart they didn't trade anybody at the deadline and then they only made it into the playoffs, not because the team played particularly better. Um, they had a couple new players in the lineup that were good, like Tanner Janot. Um, but it was mostly just their goalie had a ridiculous back half of the season um, and dragged them kicking and screaming into the playoffs. And then he also dragged them kicking and screaming to six games against the Carolina Hurricanes who then probably got kind of curb stomped by the Tampa Bay Lightning in the next round. So it just shows that the Predators should have sold a lot earlier because, let's put it this way, the asking price for Matthias Ekholm, who is a worse commodity than Ellis because he's never been as good of a player as Ellis, point production-wise or just overall play-wise, in my opinion. And I love Matthias Ekholm. Uh, and also he's on an expiring contract where you need to extend him and give him probably somewhere in the $7 million range. Uh, the Flyers were the Flyers were basically being asked uh, from all reports earlier in the season for like a first-round pick, Morgan Frost, and uh, Cam York. And I honestly think that that's a better package than what the Predators got back. Oh, absolutely. That's a much better package. I mean... It just given the fact that they ended up with Glass, who is fine, I guess, but not exactly... Like, Frost still has a ton of upside that has yet to be discovered. And 
York has barely shown what he's gotten at the NHL level and a first round pick. I mean, you end up with Patrick or Glass, who, you know, both have not had great NHL careers at this point, and Phil Myers is basically a raw lump of clay. Yeah, I just, like, you could argue, okay, um, Glass is a better center prospect than Frost, which I would agree with, and uh, Myers is a better uh, player right now and has a higher ceiling than Cam York does. But at the same time, uh, Myers is significantly older. He's going to turn 25 uh, in January. And, uh, I mean, I don't think that the difference between Glass and Frost is tremendous i think that there's a sizable difference between the two of them but not enough to compensate for the first round pick and that's for matthias eckholm um i went back and i looked at the trade packages that i was putting together when i wrote articles about like should the flyers go acquire ellis when their season was kind of on the brink of either sinking or they might turn it around uh right near that uh lick tahoe game and the all-star break and everything uh and, like, I was talking about packages where they were going to have to give up a pair of first-round picks and maybe Travis Konechny or, and, and still Phil Myers on top of that. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I was thinking they were going to have to give up to get a player of Ryan Ellis's caliber. And I'm just kind of stunned that they didn't have to. I, I've not been super confident in Chuck Fletcher. Um in his time in Philly, I will say that he gets a lot less credit for his tenure in Minnesota than deserved. But this, this was a slam dunk trade. This is as close to a perfect trade as you're reasonably going to get. And apparently the flyers aren't done, which is just mind boggling to me. You might actually put the two in Chucky two trades. I mean, yeah, we've, we've seen stuff swirling about, Tarasenko, Ooh. and we've seen stuff swirling about, I mean, this one's a little bit more gross and would make me angry if they did this, but Rasmus Ristolainen, which, while it would be a bad move, in my opinion, at least it would be like a spicy move, and that shows me that Chuck Fletcher is willing to take risks. They were showing some interest in Larson before, and now yeah. I'm seeing reports that Larson might be back on the board because Edmonton, it doesn't look like the negotiations are working out like they were like a week ago. Yeah, all of that, we still don't know either. For anybody who listens to Broad Street Hockey Radio a lot, Charlie I would say has been most saying, of the listeners here. <laughs> most of them, I, I would say. But I feel like Fleck Herbley has its own little uh, select segment of listenership as well. Oh, we've got a um, niche, that's for sure. That's definitely for sure. Uh, but I, I just keep hearing from Charlie, who obviously I cite on here a lot because he's really goddamn smart and good at his job you know that there are going to be more players available than you'd expect and right now i'm looking at the players who are available and i go damn there are already more players available than i expect and we haven't even hit post-expansion draft which is when i'm expecting shit is going to get wild um that that span in between because I think expansion drafts on the 21st, entry draft is on the 23rd, yep. and then after that, we, we head into free agency and everything. You have a uh, negotiation period and then UFAs. But right, right in that chunk in between is when I think these GMs are going to go 
bonkers. And I have a feeling that we might we might see, you know, three more trades from Chuck Fletcher in this offseason. Three more Ooh, wow. significant trades. And that's a legitimate oh wow. Like if there if there are three more trades, I'm gonna lose my mind because we haven't seen anything like this since you know, probably since those Briscoff Richards Carter trades. There's been nothing close to that. Yeah, I mean, and like... And those were irresponsible, terrible trades. <laughs> well, again, we've been over this many times. The 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 players they got back were good, but the whole sequence of events was just com- completely insane. But anyway, we haven't seen any sort of spiciness like this since Paul Holmgren. Yeah, I still remain mad that if they hadn't paid Briz all of that money and just kept Bob, that team would have been fucking loaded because they would have had Voracek, Couturier, Simmons, Shen, uh, plus the other draft picks, which could have been flipped for more players. And then they wouldn't have had committed all of that money to Briz, so they have all that cap space for you to improve the team <coughs> on the defense. Yeah. And then also they still have Bob, who is a really good goaltender. So yeah. one of the most consequential decisions in flyers history remains that briz contract for a multitude of reasons but i'm getting off track here uh but yeah like i wouldn't be shocked if we see you know if seattle decides they want vince dunn and then they take a first round pick and a prospect from the flyers and they take jake borchek in the expansion draft so like let's say they pay them and, and i know fans might get mad about this and they'd be like oh that's an overpay to take them off the roster but this is eight million dollars in cap space for like a couple more years that you'd be freeing up uh and i don't think jake borchek is anywhere near the player he once was uh but like a first this year's first round pick in morgan frost and you give that up and you offload jake borchek right uh I could see that happening. I could see because they pass up Tarasenko, the Flyers go and they acquire Tarasenko. Um, And I don't think the price on him will be that expensive because it seems like a lot of teams around the league don't have that much interest in him. Um, And there's been more smoke around the Flyers than I think anyone else, which tells me that, let's say, Tarasenko doesn't get picked in the expansion draft, uh, then I have a feeling he'll end up wearing orange and black which would be sexy as hell. That is something I, I couldn't have even fathomed this time last year. It's crazy. It's crazy. This team very well could have four brand new, like, good players on the roster going into this next season. There is there is a chance that the Flyers go from missing the playoffs to winning the division. And I know that people will be like, that's hyperbolic, and it's too early to say any of that kind of thing. I think they're capable of making the moves to do that. And I think looking around the division, um, Washington seems to have gotten worse, in my opinion. Um, and they still don't have... They, they haven't done anything to make me think that they're going to trend upward rather than just slowly downward. And then the Penguins just lost McCann, in a trade to the Maple Leafs and they might lose Tanev in the expansion draft here. Please take Tanev. I am so sick of that guy. And both of those are very good players. So I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we're looking at a much worse Penguins team next year where their forward depth is worse because McCann coming off of an awesome season 
Tanev has been great for them. Uh, and I mean, they could like do some bullshit, like go out and sign Gabe Landeskog with all of the freed up cap space or something like that, just to make us all mad. But I don't see that happening. <laughs> well, Eamon, I just, I just want you to know if there's one podcast you can be hyperbolic on, it's Flyperbole. Huh? It's even in the name. How about that? Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can see a scenario where. Chuck makes a couple more big moves and this team is walking into the season and people are like, damn, the Flyers, if Hart can just be what he was his sophomore season, are a cup contender, legitimately. In the words of one Craig Forsyth, oh baby! Indeed, oh baby. It's been a while since we've had no baby. I'm going to be honest. It has you. been a while. It's been a while. I just I've I've listened to Flyperbole for a very long time and I think it's it's probably been a couple months since we've had a proper O baby. I, I have not done an O baby since uh, Craig was last on the show. Craig Craig was the O baby guy, so I, I I wanted to give a shout out to Craig with the O baby there. Uh it, this is this is an O baby trade, so yeah. Uh all right, do we do we wanna wrap things up here by talking about, you know, the expansion draft thing that we've been talking about kind of <laughs> yeah, let's let's hit on the expansion draft and, and call it an evening because, you know, folks, I know you do expect us to talk for another three hours per the flyperbole tradition, but it's late. It is very late recording this. We both have shit to do, so we're going to wrap it up. But believe me, we are going to have a ton of podcasts for you this week. Uh, I know we're recording something tomorrow for BSH. Eamon makes his BSH radio debut this week. Is that correct? uh spoiler alert steve god yeah uh as far as i know yes um barring we gotta get those sweet listens in come on barring barring something changing uh i will be on broad street hockey radio for the first time ever which is pretty weird like flyperbole coming on flyperbole for the first time very weird experience as somebody who uh has a lot of memories of getting off of my shift in high school and then going <laughs> so and eating chicken in the car during like my lunch break and listening to you and Craig just talk about Guy Fieri. That is for the record, the preferred way to listen to Flyperbole. Eat hot chicken in a car. I'm telling you, it's pretty great. Just with your windows rolled down and like an empty parking lot. Um, but yeah, that was already the trip. And now I'm going to be on arguably the thing that got me really thinking about writing about and covering hockey which is uh when i listened to i had no idea who charlie was um i had no idea who steph was or kelly or bill um more specifically i'd say kelly and charlie uh because steph is like the big boss um and i started reading what they wrote after that so this is a pretty big deal it's pretty crazy to me <laughs> a big time right there well i just have to say uh fight one of them on your first day that's my only advice i will probably get into an argument with charlie or bill one of the two <laughs> i i think i might just sneak in and listen live i'll just like sneak <laughs> sneak into the zoom and just like listen live it sounds sounds stellar right there well you know have fun uh it's gonna be a good time but uh, j folks there is a lot of podcast content coming this week tangy tent for your ears and of course podcast or not podcast party but bsh party for the draft 
the entry-level draft on Friday at Bullies, 6 p.m. It's going to be a great time, so please show up and say hello. Absolutely. Go to that. I will not be there, sadly, because I live hundreds of miles away, and <laughs> I am but a small, small boy, so I, I'm also a college student, so I can't really afford plane tickets, <laughs> and like... I don't know. It might be normal for some people where they're 20 and they can basically just tell their parents, hey, I'm going to fly up to Philadelphia uh, for like two days to go to a draft party with my internet friends. But <laughs> when you make it uh, sound like that, well, like y'all, y'all are my pals. No, that's, team, I, but... that, that is an accurate depiction of exactly what it's like. It's <laughs> what, always what weird you... <laughs> to tell people I'm going to a party with my internet friends. And I've been doing that for many years now and it never gets less weird. <laughs> it's just like, that's when, when you're like talking to your family and you're like, yeah, I'm doing this. Like you could see how that sounds a little bit weird. <laughs> so oh, yeah, I, I, I had a, a great listener buy me a beer a few weeks ago and I, I told people like, Oh, a listener bought me a beer. And like, a listener of what? I'm like, my podcast that I do. <laughs> hey, pro podcaster over here, Steve Jaco. Goat. <laughs> That's me, the pro. Goat of podcasting. Uh, Yeah, I mean, when I'm like out of college, I'll probably come up for the draft party and everything. And I, I thought about going to get lunch with Steph because now she lives like an hour and a half from me. But uh, yeah, not, not going to be there. But go. You'll make it one of these years. You'll make it. I'll be there. I'll be there of legal One of these parties, age. yeah. <laughs> One of these parties, you'll be there, and it'll be a good time. Yeah, but go, people. Um, everybody's really fun and fantastic, and I know even just from the virtual festivist party and playing, like, trivia on a Friday night with all of the BSH, pe- uh, BSH people that you'll have a great time. It's worth meeting all of these people. Uh, take it from somebody who didn't know any of them personally up until like February. And even then <laughs> I got hired in February. So I didn't yep, really yep. know anyone. Uh, yeah. And, and also so. if you do come out, I, I might have some fly purpley stickers if you run into me. So, uh, Oh, let's go the for that. Let's go. Gotta, gotta have uh, our friend, the rat on your car oh, yeah. or laptop absolutely <laughs> i've got these stickers printed up for me they're awesome so i will have a few of those for any lucky lucky listeners that come up to me but in the meantime so that's on friday but in the meantime we have an expansion draft to talk about and we're going to touch on this very briefly we're going to have more content on this and also you could listen back to the podcast i did on friday with maddie we talked about this but uh protection list is officially out and of the names that are unprotected the biggest ones i mean are the expected ones like JVR, Voracek, Ghost, Braun. The big names are the ones that were expected. Yeah, uh, I think the only nuance here, because everybody, I think everybody expected Voracek to be exposed given the language they've used talking about him this offseason. I think everybody expected uh, Braun to be exposed. The big question was, were they going to protect JVR or not? Um, And I think that wasn't a question because of the way the players were set up up until this Ellis trade. And then they had an extra spot for expansion protection freed up because they traded away two players for one. Uh, so that, that kind of begged the question, are they going to protect JVR? I thought the answer to that was yes. And they were going to expose NAK, Voracek, Braun, Ghost, and those were going to be the notable names. And 
they protected NAK. And that's kind of surprising to me, given that he's coming off of a really shitty year where he was just kind of a bad hockey player. Just invisible on the back end. And when he did show up, he lost fights pretty much. But the, the NAKGB, they are out in the streets firing off the AK-47s, throwing, you know, just chugging vodka. They are ecstatic about this. As the uh, premier of the NAKGB, uh, I, I would just like to issue the statement that it's pretty cool that the Flyers believe in him, even after he had a season where he wasn't an effective four checker, which was like his whole thing. Uh, he wasn't scoring, his underlying numbers stunk, and then also to top it all off, he took a billion penalties for no reason, which was kind of a hallmark of when he was not playing well in the AHL. So this tells me that the Flyers internally have discussed what do they think about him and also maybe talk to him about his season, and they they came to the conclusion this is a guy where we think that what we saw in the limited stint in 2019, 2020 is more the real NAK than what we saw this past year. And if that's the case, then NAK is a really good player and the kind of player that you need on your team to win a Stanley Cup. So I I understand the move. And now this gives Seattle... I guess an option that's more realistic where they might take a higher paid player uh, without having to get compensation in JVR. That's still a judgment call for Chuck Fletcher. It would be in Seattle's best interest to act like they won't take JVR without incentive. Um, But just an interesting choice there. And then I think Charlie and a couple of other people have said that, uh, NAK, uh, when the Flyers talked to Seattle, they basically figured out, okay, Seattle's going to take NAK. So that's why they protected him, Um, which leads me to think, okay, if they're just going the low salary route, either Fletcher's going to have to make some trades with draft picks and prospects to get them to take a higher paid guy, which would preferably be be Voracek, or uh, they're just going to take Justin Braun because he's cheap and he fills a role, and he's pretty good defensively, and you could flip him at the deadline and retain 50% salary and not harm the team's long-term success. Yeah, I I just have no idea who Seattle's taking at this point, but it is very interesting that NAK is protected and is a guy that the Flyers felt was very likely to be taken by Seattle. I wonder how much interest is out there for him. I think they're very unlikely to to deal him away if they're protecting him because he is just a bottom six player at a low cost, which is something they definitely need. And uh, there's, you wonder how much they're hoping that one of JVR Voracek get taken. So there could be further maneuvering with the salary cap room that would be freed up. Yeah. It's, it's kind of just going to be a crapshoot on the 21st. I have no clue which way it's going to go. I hope that it pans out the way that we've been talking about that they take one of those higher paid guys. I have a feeling the flyers will move assets if necessary to make that happen, but I'm not going to be shocked or disappointed if they don't move Jake Voracek at the draft, the expansion draft. Um, I, I might, I might be like a little bit like, ah, oh, that's an interesting choice, but uh, I, I still think, well, now is the time to move Voracek, and he's a declining player, in my opinion. 
I feel like his scoring totals this past year were very deceptive. Something that I cited, um, I think, when I was doing his player grade article was that while he was towards the team lead in points, he normally has about double the primary assists that he does secondary assists. And I think this year it was the reverse. Um, Or like in his down years in the past, he's had relatively even between those two. This year he had significantly more secondary assists than primary assists, which... I mean, secondary assists can still be you're the guy making the play happen, but if that's the majority, chances are that you're not responsible for the scoring play quite as often. And his defensive metrics tanked, his offensive metrics uh, declined a little bit. So I think now is the time to move Jake. At the same time, if Chuck Fletcher looks at him and goes, this is still a uh, top six forward with a lot of skill, who is very unique and the assets that we would have to cough up to move him are just not worth it. I can understand that perspective too. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to be totally disappointed if Jake is a flyer again next year. I, I think he is still a useful player, but I do agree is a declining player. And this really is the best time to not only shake up the locker room by moving him, but also get that money out there. And just, it just feels like the time for the flyers and Jake Voracek to go their separate ways. Yeah. It, it just feels it feels like the thing that makes the most sense, but the thing that makes the most sense isn't always the thing that happens. So we'll see. Uh, only a couple days removed at this point. Your time, it is July 19th. My time, it is July 18th. But uh, we are only a couple days removed from that all going down. I think it's, what, 8 o'clock Eastern time? That, Something that's like happening. that, yeah. yeah. But I, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be great. There's a lot of big names out there. I I'm just hoping they take Carrie Price because that would be just hilarious. Oh, that would be too funny. Yeah, uh, Carrie Price would be really great. I would love to see the reaction of St. Louis fans if they take Tarasenko because oh, yes. I hate Blues fans and watching them just get their hearts crushed uh, through this whole process of Tarasenko being <laughs> like, "I want out. I hate this place. I hate all of you." Uh, has been very gratifying, <laughs> even as the Predators make mistake after mistake. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. It should be a fun expansion draft unless, you know, the Flyers do something really dumb, which hopefully they don't go and spend all of that goodwill that they just gained from this great trade that they just made. I'm really hoping so. I mean, Chuck finally did something that we can universally enjoy and say we like and pat him on the back i would very much like to continue with those good feelings all right man are we are we about ready to wrap up here you're damn right we're ready to wrap up and folks that's all we got for you and it was plenty if you have any feedback best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca amy where can people reach you on twitter that would be at gin and uc uh gin and like gin and juice and then UC spelled like UC Saros, who is the Nashville Predators starting goaltender and probably should have been a Vezina finalist this past year, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and then also, fixed. <laughs> you can you can find all of my work on BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm probably going to be writing some more stuff about this Ellis trade. Hopefully, I will be uh, helping cover the expansion draft and all of the crazy trades that we are expecting to happen afterwards. Uh, so that's great. And then also I write for on the which is SB Nation's predators website, 
if you're interested in seeing my unadulterated opinions of how Phil Myers fits in Nashville, I will have an article coming out on that soon. Um, and I believe Eric, who is our prospects guy, once he gets back from vacation, will be doing something about Glass um, and whether or not it made sense to trade him for Nolan Patrick, uh, which of the players he likes better. So, yeah, uh, that's pretty much it there. Hell yeah. Well, that's some good stuff to watch out for right there. Aiming one of the hardest working men in blogging out there. You can reach me at Flyperbole or at Esteban, but it's for hockey. Make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. Follow us on all those other things like the Instagram and the TikTok and all that blah, blah, blah. All right, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow. 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 Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.